This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arikoglu, and with me, as always, is my co-host Meredith Carey. Hello! This week, we're chatting with a familiar voice, Women Who Travel contributor, body image advocate, and sexual wellness expert, Laura Delarato. Next Tuesday, she officially adds another role to the mix as a published author. Her book, My Pleasure, An Intimate Guide to Loving Your Body and Having Great Sex, will be in bookstores starting March 29th. So today, we're talking all about travel, sex, and self-love. Hey, Laura! Hello. Wow. I feel so happy to be back. We are so back, happy back, to back have again. you. Exactly. Um, I wish we had the rights for like, let's talk about sex, baby. But that's definitely, <laughs> we definitely do not have the money to insert that. So you just get to like have my fun voice singing to you. But I want to kick it off by asking how travel and self-love intersect for you personally. I grew up as a really, like, shy kid. I grew up in a bit of an unstable environment. And for a lot of my life, I spent it feeling very, like, landlocked and feeling like I didn't deserve to travel or I, like, couldn't be a person who traveled. And when it started to become, like, a thing that I really wanted to get into, um, I realized that when I actually did it when I actually booked trips and I actually like went on these adventures. I mean, and my adventures were like, go to Portland for four days, <laughs> go to Chicago for three days. It made me have to rely on myself and every decision that I made. And when I got back home, I realized that everything that I thought was terrifying didn't scare me anymore. Every single like I'm going to ask someone out on a date every single like I'm going to ask for a second opinion at the doctor. I'm going to ask for a raise was less terrifying because I just was in a city alone by myself with only um, the information I have about that city's metro, which is often very little. And travel is a way for you and for well, for me specifically to like understand a different place, how people live and how that can be reflected back into my life when I'm back in New York. And it just has made me feel significantly more confident as a person to travel. One of those stories that you mentioned, I remember touched on dating abroad and when you're traveling. 
what's that sort of journey been like and what you know what learnings about yourself did you garner from those experiences truly the best date I've ever been on was in New Orleans and I went to New Orleans and I had this excellent date because I I asked this person, I was like, show me something that I would never see as a tourist. Don't show me the French Quarter. Show me um, something else. And this person took me to a hole-in-the-wall, super cool burger place, and then another really cool music venue that was not on any single like list I'd ever seen. Um, I saw this really cool electronic electronica band that um, I didn't know existed. I remember like leaving the end of that date and just being like, this is a true travel experience that no travel blog would ever hand me. So I think that it like allows me to get to know a person in their city on their home turf, get to like experience a part of like in this particular case, New Orleans from a completely different point of view and sort of like have that bit of a intimate fantasy of it all. Like you're a new person in a new place. And depending on how you feel and depending on how I feel, I often go into those scenarios being like, I'm going to communicate with this person that this is a one-time date because I don't live here. (laughs) P.S. And I can be any version of myself that I want to be on that date. And I think as long as I am communicative and keeping that person's heart safe and I'm keeping my heart safe in that it has made again like coming back to New York and dating and communicating and all that stuff like so much easier because now you've had this like template this roadmap in this like TBD WIP every other workplace initials I love a workplace acronym One of my recent trips I went on, I went on a date in Chicago and it actually was like this really good experience where I am trying very hard to figure out what like open relationships look like. What does that look like for me? What does that look like for my partner? And this was a scenario in which like I got to go on a date in a new city while I had to communicate this information to my partner back in New York. And it was like an incredible exercise in like, how do you take care of another person? So there's just like so many cool ways that you can go about it. And plus you get to be like, cool, confident girl, a new city. (laughs) Be who you want to be. And then the date will like follow, it'll follow through. And then you could be that person wherever you want, whenever you get back home. You know, I think what we're talking about with like, relearning that confidence on vacation or when you're traveling is something that we can all really identify with. But I'm just curious because this book, My Pleasure, is all about sexual wellness. Like what was your path to discovering that sexual wellness was like part of self-love and self-care for you? I definitely grew up in a a way where like I, I didn't like my body. I really hated it. It was like, it was the thing that was like, the moment you lose weight is the is when you're going to uh, be able to fall in love. It's going to be the thing that's going to make you attractive to other people. Um, and that caused so much very serious like self-esteem issues. I had an eating disorder up until I was probably like 26. I just turned 35. So I am still like kind of under the nine years of that shadow. Um, it 
wasn't until, and this is very funny and very silly, um, when I was in grad school, I went to grad school at the new school, and I needed a job to pay my rent at the time because uh, I was living in Brooklyn with like five other roommates and a dog, as all of us have done that. And I needed something close to school. So I ended up working at the Pleasure Chest in the West Village, a sex toy shop that caters to every single person. But the one really special thing about it is that in order to work there, you need to go through training to make sure that everything you're telling another person is accurate. Because like with sex, there is not a lot of education around it. And especially with sex toys, there's not a lot of regulation around it. So people, not people, but like companies can sell sex toys with every type of chemical in it. And won't uh, see any repercussions of it because we don't see sex education or sex toys as like a viable thing that we should care about for our bodies. For anyone listening, get your sex toys the same material as your kitchenware. Doesn't hold bacteria, makes life easier, doesn't attach to the poorest parts of your body, live your life. Anyways, in this time, I'm like in grad school, I'm working at the pleasure chest. I'm also freelancing. Um, I'm trying really hard to like handle this eating disorder that was like ravishing my body and like wasn't making me lose weight it was just making me like tired and lose my hair and like ruin the back of my teeth and like just hate myself even more and while being at the pleasure chest I got to see so many cool people and I got to learn so many things and I got to like go through these workshops and educational experiences and every time I went through every thing that anyone told me, every piece of advice, every book that I read, it always came back to like, it has nothing to do with like your weight. It has nothing to do with like this, like how you're supposed to present in the world. Like confidence comes with it from within. Self-love comes from within. And we have just been taught all of these lies throughout our lives from TV, from movies, from society, every single thing. And from there, I got into treatment. So truly like the sex industry saved me because it taught me that like everyone deserves pleasure. And the moment you feel that or believe that for yourself, you can start that like self-love journey because pleasure isn't just like sexual pleasure or the kitchenware sex toys (laughs) that I'm, I'm recommending. It's like pleasure to like, to put yourself first, to take a walk, to get extra sleep, to go to that workout class, to not go to that workout class. And like finding that like what makes you feel good has to always come first. And like, that's how it all started. And now I'm here. Who knew? I I feel like we've kind of already touched on kind of what your path to talking about sexual wellness and wanting to educate others about it um, was. But, you know, a lot of our women who travel episodes of the next few weeks are all centered around wellness and the different ways that it can play a role in our lives um, and the ways it intersects with travel. How did the sexual wellness space come into your life beyond that time working at the pleasure chest and kind of learning all these new things that you hadn't been exposed to before? Because my whole life has been centered around being plus size, like I often feel like I navigate the world in a different or um, like in a just a different, more unique way, not necessarily better or worse than anyone else. But like there are certain things I have to like consider when I walk into a room, when I walk into a clothing store, when I date, when I have sex with someone, when I get naked, all these things, because the only time I've ever seen a person who looks like myself in a sexual way is um either as 
a joke in some film or some movie or incredibly fetishized in pornography. There's often not an in-between in those. So like a huge part of all of this also discovering like how much like I needed to work on my self-love and how to build that was like making good decisions around sex and like making good decisions about how people I allowed people to treat and care for my body. And that has a lot of trial and error around it. Like how often have I like been on the receiving end of a DM because Instagram is wild um, where it's like, I would never date you, but I would totally fill in the blank expletive uh, things in sex with you. Or how many times have I like been on Tinder and someone writes back like, I love a big girl and you're just, and you're just like on the other end, like, well, I also really love murder podcasts. Can we talk about that? Like, <laughs> I love weird books. <laughs> I love nail polish. Uh, and so for me, like a lot of my journey has been like, it's like setting my boundaries, figuring out like what my yes, no maybes are with sex. Like, you know, the things I will do, the things I won't do, the things I'm like, don't even really know if I know about them enough to do and how like I have like set up those boundaries for the people that I let into my life especially people that like get to like touch me and get to like be like, I would say the privilege of, <laughs> of being naked with me. I, I must say, um, cause like you can't go through working at the pleasure chest and not be like, I'm like very good in bed. <laughs> you can't say that everyone who works at a sex store, uh, toy store knows what they're doing. And like, I truly think like for me, like for a while there, I felt really like, demoralized by my experiences with other people in bed and like not that I felt like I was going to give up but I always thought like oh this is just how I'm going to get treated I'm always going to be a fetish or someone's secret or someone that they're not going to take me on a date or they're going to go on one date with me and I have found that like by putting a stance down and by being like no we're going to go out to dinner or like don't say that to me. Like, I'm not just like a curvy body on the end of like a DM, um, that I'm a real human person. It actually has allowed me to have a better understanding of how to talk about like self-love and self-pleasure and like give myself those like tools to be like, you deserve more than this. And from that, using things like my Instagram, my book, the newsletter that I never write on <laughs> to you know, per, you know, it's hard when you have a personal project that no one pays you for and you're like, I got other things to do. Um, I use like the platforms that I have to have a conversation about self-worth, which is inherently connected to self-love and pleasure and having a good sexual time. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham. And this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new uh, translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. I'm oh. really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I'm, I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> he can't stop. I mean, and, and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. 
You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. (laughs) I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Um, I, I want to talk about getting naked for a second because maybe unexpectedly travel can often involve being nude in public, whether it's at a hot spring or an onsen or a nude beach or a nude resort. I know you have a section in your book about taking nudes, but what advice do you have for people entering like nude spaces on vacation for the first time? I think the more that we see ourselves naked, the better off we'll be. And not because like, Hey, it's real cool to be naked. It it is really cool. Sometimes it's like really fun, but like we are bombarded by images all day. There is no part of any of our days, whether you work in like our industries or not, that you are not being told what an ideal beauty standard is. And you're not being told that through like verbal, visual, like ad related reasons. It is a true smorgasbord of like here is what the world thinks is like a a beauty standard but what happens is that our brains start to recognize that as the default that's the standard so when we haven't looked at ourselves in the mirror for quite some time because you know we're busy we're busy busy ladies and then you take that glance and you're just like what What? (laughs) this is what i look like i don't look like that and like i'm now i'm gonna start feeling bad because i don't look like that so What happens when we show ourselves ourselves or when we like surround our Instagram feeds or social media feeds or like the people around us with people who look like us or people who don't look like us that we want to get to know more, we start to believe that is the standard. So when you go home tonight or while you're listening to this podcast, let us be in your ears while you do this. Just look at yourself naked. Get used to it. Understand how everything feels and folds and like don't judge yourself. It's just, that's your body. And our bodies are designed to put us at the size and weight that they are, that naturally want, it wants us to be, to protect us, to care for our organs. We are a suit that cares for our organs, you know, if we like really think about it. Um, And you just like sit with that and do it tomorrow. Then do it the next day. Then do it one morning before your Zoom call. Do it on a Zoom call, but like keep your camera off. I don't know. Do whatever you want. <laughs> we are not <laughs> recommending that. Don't recommend. I don't. I haven't done it. Hey, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's just playing with fire. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, as soon as I said it, I was like, the stress. Except, um, for, except for that one like, thing. <laughs> don't do that. But like, I, I think that anyone going into that scenario, there is of course going to be like stress around it. But the more that like you as a person just like put yourself at your like your natural state and just feel good in your body like just like what you feel like naked going into a nude resort or into a nude scenario like i've been into a few hot springs where you have to like shower off prior and you're around other people i would say like you you now have like an entire like world of information that you've given to your brain that 
you deserve to exist here and you deserve to take up space here because you know you've already done it a bunch of times and if you're like just jumping in you're like what the heck everyone has to get naked here the best thing to think about is that like every single person there is freaking out about themselves no one's looking at you no one in their right mind could even look at you um not because they don't want to because maybe like you're super hot. I'm taking a guess, but I think anyone listening to this is probably like a super babe, but like everyone is already so concerned about what they look like that the idea of even judging you is like so far gone. And plus it's 2022. You're going to judge someone. You're the loser in the room. (laughs) Well, and I think like the nice thing about like traveling to hot springs or a nude beach is that like it's just like normal people who are there in their like normal naked bodies. It's not 50 supermodels. And I know Lale, for your onsen experience, if you don't go, like you're missing out on this trip and and how you feel about your body shouldn't preclude you from enjoying yourself. Yeah. When I went to Japan a few years ago, a trip that I've talked about on this podcast quite a lot, I had the opportunity to go to quite a few onsens, all of which require everyone to be fully naked. And I'd never put myself in a situation like that before. And as Meredith said, I basically was like standing there with my little towel wrapped around me on the edge being like, oh, oh, do I want to do this? And then I was like, but then if I don't, I don't do it at all. And the truly mortifying thing will be getting back to New York and saying, I can't write about that part of the experience because I didn't do it. So I did it. And on MC, it was like, it was ripping off a Band-Aid. And by the end of the trip, I was just like marching into nonsense, not giving it a second thought. And it was very liberating. Whether or not that feeling has stayed with me is um, yet to be seen because I just like haven't been in that situation again in the last few years. But again, like one of the biggest learnings for me was definitely that no one was paying attention to me. My ego was clearly far too big to think people cared about my presence at the onsen. And, you know, when everyone's naked, it's incredibly democratic. But it's not like an anxiety dream where you're the only naked person. Everyone is naked. Pivoting slightly, but still talking about travel and vacation and nudity. Sex on vacation is a tried and true cliche. And so I have to ask, as someone who worked at the pleasure chest, what makes for great vacation sex? Oh my gosh. I think what makes great vacation sex is knowing your boundaries and understanding like what you like and what you want. And that might sound a little bit like, not necessarily homework, but just like, not like a orgasmic answer but I would say that like you're in a new space you're in a new place you're with a new person you're in a new city if you know who you are what you like what you will tolerate what you won't tolerate what your like boundaries are then go have fun um and it just like it takes all the like that fear away of like oh no, like this is, shouldn't, I shouldn't do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you already know exactly what you like and what you want. And you're in this like crunched amount of time that is super electric and fantasy filled and almost like a little naughty, which then like turns up that like that sexual arousal a bit more. And with all of that in the heat of the moment, just know what you like. There is uh, a thing that 
we a lot of sex educators use called, and I referenced it earlier, which is the yes, no, maybe list. And what that really is, I do it like once every year for myself. But the way that it works is that you and a partner or just by yourself, you get like a list of sex acts. You can find them on the internet. <laughs> so easy. And then you do um, on a notepad or like a, a document, um, you have a yes column, a maybe column, and a no column. And then you write like all the yeses that you would do, give or receiving in one call in your yes. Your maybes are like, I don't really know what this is. I maybe, who knows? You write that in there. And then in the no columns are the ones that you feel like, this is my hard no. I'm not doing this. This is where I need to be. And that mental exercise, or even like the physical exercise that turns into like a mental exercise is so good to just like have in your back pocket when you've met someone new. Cause now there is no hesitation about like, if someone wants to do something and you're like, I don't know, I don't know about that. No, you know, cause you have it in this document. Um, that's on your, that's on your Google drive. It's like, we love a sex <laughs> spreadsheet. Like <laughs> love a sex spreadsheet. Also like what's re really interesting about that is like, as you grow and get older and change and like things change, like, I cannot tell you how many like maybes have gone to the yes list, how many yeses have gone to the no, how many no's have gone to like, oh, I've learned more about this. Like, and it's like kind of just fun to do for yourself. So yeah, do that with a partner or just do it for yourself. And it just, it will make vacation sex like less stressful, significantly more naughty in a good way. And like, it'll just like make it all better. So yeah, and put it on your Google Drive. File it, put it, call it taxes 2022. <laughs> You know, I know at this point we're like a third of the way through the year, but in an earlier episode, we had talked about like travel goals and how we're prioritizing ourselves this year. And obviously making a sex spreadsheet is a great way to do that. But do you have any other tips on prioritizing sexual wellness this year if people are building out goals or revisiting their January goals or just looking at, at what the year holds? Yeah, I um, I do. The most tangible, like easiest thing that you could like check off your list right now is invest in lubrication. And this goes for every single person, every single like identity, every single like person with whatever type of genitalia you have invest in a good lubricant, not because like it's cool to have cool lubricant or whatever, but like, I think that we all like look at sex as this way of like, it should be like natural and it should be like the naturalness of our bodies and like that's super cool and fine and everything but like what happens when friction happens is that you can cause tearing inside of your body you can cause little nicks you can cause little cuts and that's how you can get a um an sti or a uti or any sort of like irritation or infection and lubricant often is looked at as this like oh you need lubricant i'm not as good enough for you blah 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 and i think we should like really change that narrative and be like, no, lubricant's super hot. It makes everything slick, makes everything sensitive. It works with my body. And um, lubricants like Sliquid is a really good one. It's liquid with an S um, is, I say everything, I say everything that's like a product, like in a sexy voice, it's like, it's Sliquid. <laughs> um, that is a product that I've used for years. I have really sensitive skin, like everywhere on my body. And products often that you find at a drugstore or like your local um, CVS or Walgreens or whatever, they often contain ingredients like glycerin or parabens glycerin, like 
GLY, like that's sugar, like, or it is a, like a property of sugar. So it makes it sticky and tacky. Parabens are preservatives that like allow for something to be on a shelf for longer that, you know, often can have like negative, like occurrences inside of the body. It's basically just chemical. So having products that have like, that are maybe water-based so that they um, dissolve things that do not have glycerin, do not have parabens, um, things that work with your sex toys, like, and things that, or a lubricant that can be like universal, depending on what kind of sex act you use, whether it's like, like lubricant could be really great for like oral sex because like dry mouth, that is a real life thing that happens to every single person. Didn't know that it was going to be on that pot, this podcast, right? Now you got to work. You got to publish it's a, this first for Condé Nast Traveler for sure. <laughs> I'll be okay. Um, I think like investing in a good lubricant because like again, like it's great for your body. You get to say you have a cool lubricant, and it's just another thing that you get to like mentally check off in your mind. Like my pleasure, my self love, my like another self <laughs> self assuredness, like. I'm putting my myself first by making by buying a product that's going to actively work with my body. That's number one. Number two. Wait, yes, so no, maybe. really quickly. Oh, sorry. Yes, really so sorry. Quickly. I have a very practical question. Which I is, will answer can, it for you. Can you get lube in TSA friendly sizes? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can get. Um, I do a multiple of ways of doing this, but like. If I'm traveling somewhere that I know has like a pleasure chest or another sex toy shop that like carries lube, I always like will go stop there when I go. But yes, you can get um, them in two ounces and I believe four ounces is the maximum. Yeah, Sliquid has a four ounce bottle. It's designed to be like travel friendly. Even like companies like Babeland that has like their and Dame and Laywan that all have like their own specific glycerin-free, paraben-free lubricants are all travel-friendly because guess what? We see you, travelers, and they all see you, and you deserve to do that. Gosh. Oh, can I tell you guys something? When I came back from Chicago, they had to open up my luggage because of a sex toy, and the funniest thing was they were like, oh, don't be embarrassed, like, whatever. And I was like, I'm not embarrassed. And it was like... (laughs) the most proud I'd ever been of just being like, you have to open up this bag. (laughs) Um, Which in that case, there are sex toys that you can have um, that have like, what's it called buttons where you can like turn it off fully so that it doesn't like register that it's like on or that available, or you just take out the batteries. But I would say for that, just like be really proud when you go into TSA. (laughs) Also, for that very practical question, Laura, I cut you off. You were going to um, dish some more tips, I think. <laughs> oh, no. I, I mean, I think that's like, pro- that's also one of the tips. Just be really proud of it. Like, I think we live in a world and it's starting to get better now around like sexual pleasure, how people um, go on social media and like uh, present themselves in a sexual way or even just like a sexy way and like, changing the narrative around that has been really like awesome to see. And I, I just think that like, if we can do one thing for ourselves this year is maybe like let go of the shame of the fact that we're all sexual beings that all have sexual fantasies and all want sexual pleasure. The moment that like one of us gets rid of that in our brains and we can go through TSA and be like, yeah, sure. I have a sex toy with me. Maybe that person can feel a little bit more confident to like let go of that. And maybe that like ripples through 
the rest of us. And then we can come out on the other side, going to cool hot springs where we're all naked and no one cares. Wouldn't that be a beautiful world that we live in? I'm going to give a third tip, which is buy Laura's book, which is out on March 29th. Uh, It's called My Pleasure. You can find it on the internet. We'll definitely link to an independent bookstore where you can buy it in the show notes. Um, But if people want to keep up with you online and your book and all of the things that you do, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me, anyone can find me at my on my Instagram at Hey Laura Hey with three Y's on the end. So it kind of sounds like Hey Laura Hey. Um, you can catch me on my website, which has all of my like work and the writing I've done at lauradelarado.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter, same Hey Laura Hey. And then I'm also on TikTok, which isn't, I should be cooler on TikTok, but I haven't figured it out yet. And it's also Hey Laura Hey with three Ys. And I have a newsletter that I will promise to actually write and do things on, which is heylaura.substack.com. Amazing. You can find me at Oh Hey There Mare. And me at Lale Hannah. Lale, we got to get you to have put a, put a hey in your Instagram to match to match this yes. trio. Yes. <laughs> um, well, you can find Women Who Travel at Women Who Travel on Instagram. We also have a newsletter uh, which comes out every other week. Uh, which links to sign up for the newsletter will be in the show notes along with Laura's book and all sorts of other fun things. Talk to you next week. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.